Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. to us today, and that you're going to show us your word, Father. Lord, we believe, God, that you're going to reveal to us your glory. Let it be done in your name, I pray. Amen. So last week, we started this new series about what does it mean to be a Christian? And I, I think this is important because, you know, when I was growing up, I remember in the church, there was, there was consistently this expectation to be in church every single time the door is open. And everybody can't do that nowadays. But a lot of times we used to use the Sunday morning service as our evangelism service, our, our gospel message, and then Sunday night we used as prayer. And Sunday school is more of a discipleship uh, that we do. And then Wednesday night is also our discipleship. We've been talking about how to evangelize and what does it mean to be a disciple. And what I shared with you last week is just because you got saved does not mean that your journey has ended. As a matter of fact, it's just started. It's just started. I mean, yes, salvation gets you into heaven, right? But, man, there's so much more. There, there's so much more because when you become a disciple, you're becoming like Christ. Amen? You're becoming like Christ. And in reality, that's what God wants for you. He wants you to become like Christ. Amen? And the reason why he wants you to become like Christ is because Christ was perfect. Christ lived without sin. Christ demonstrated what it means for us to walk in this world in a lifestyle that is holy to God. Amen? God demonstrated to us. He sh Christ showed us what it means to love people. As a matter of fact, in John, it says that Christ went about doing good. Amen? Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Hear me out. This, I don't say this to condemn you. I just to challenge you. How many of us can say that we are going about doing good? Are we? Or are we stuck in that rut of got to go to work or I got to go do the things that I need to do, then I come home and I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning, maybe Sunday night, maybe Wednesday night, I'm going to do those things, but I'm not actually doing any good. You know what people from this, uh, from, from, um, you know, in the world want from us? They don't want us to preach a message to them. They want us to do good to them, amen? They want somebody to be kind because people don't know how to be kind anymore, do they? I remember I was selling a couple things on Facebook, and I thought, oh my goodness, these people have no lives because immediately when I put something for sale, people started mocking me and making fun of me, and, and they had... They, they weren't interested in what I was selling, but they felt the need, the urgency to mock me. And I'm like, what is your problem? What is wrong with you? Do you not have a job? Do you not have a life? And evidently they don't because people feel this need to tear people down. And that happens sometimes in the church, doesn't it? That happens sometimes in the church. Instead of building each other up, just like the song that the worship team this, uh, sang this morning, Build My Life, we have to build one another up, amen? We should encourage one another, amen? But, but what we do is we look at each other and we say, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Do you know how many times a week I hear that from, you know, people I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, I know you wouldn't, but God chose me. That's just how it is, right? You know, it doesn't matter how you would have done it. It doesn't matter. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, I'm okay with that. But instead of being critical of one another, what if we lifted each other up, amen? What if we encouraged one another? What if we built one another up? What if we did those things, amen? What if we were a church that was known as the encouraging church? 
What, what, what would happen if we were known as the encouraging church, amen? If we were called the Glacier Valley Church of God, comma, the encouragement church. What if people looked at you when you walked down the hall and said, hey, listen, or walk down wherever you are and said, listen, I need some encouragement. Oh, you need to go talk to this person because they can lift you up just simply by smiling at you and praying for you. Wouldn't that be a testimony? Because everyone that was around Jesus always felt better when they left him except for the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had their own religious agenda. See, that's what happens in churches. People come in with their own religious agenda that is not of God. It sounds like it's from God because it has God in it. And for too long, the church has thought something is from God because it has the word God in it. But just because it has the word God in it doesn't mean it's our God, amen? It doesn't mean that it's the God that we serve, amen? Because what happens is people get so wrapped up in themselves that they realize, brothers and sisters, that we need to realize it's not about us. It is not about our brother and sister who needs to be encouraged. In this house today, we have brothers and sisters who have been through divorce. We have brothers and sisters who have been through abuse. We have brothers and sisters who are struggling financially. We have brothers and sisters who are just struggling, amen? We have brothers and sisters who are struggling with sin. You wouldn't know it unless you got to know them. Because what do we do? We come in and we say, hey, how are you? Good, I'm fine. But that's not really true, is it? I laugh with people sometimes. They come in and they tell me, I'm doing fine. I look at them, and you know this. Some of you know this. I said, no, you're not. Don't lie to me. <laughs> they go, I know, but I don't want to talk about it right now. Well, that's fine, but just don't lie to me, okay? Don't tell me you're fine when you're not. Because the church is a place of healing, amen? The church is a place of hope, Amen. Praise God, you're here, you're here, take advantage of what God is doing, amen? Don't sit there like a knot on the lawn and say, well, that's not for me. You're here this morning, God brought you here this morning, I can assure you, whatever's being said is for you, okay? I'm going to tell you that right now, there is a word today for you, and God wants to speak to you this morning. Well, Pastor, you're being awfully presumptuous. No, I'm not. The Lord wants to speak to his people. This is not the 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. This is not the time where God is silent. God, we're in the last stages, the last days, brothers and sisters. God wants to talk to his people. He wants to encourage you. He wants you to hold on, amen? He wants you to believe. He wants you to receive. And then he wants you to go forth and tell somebody else, amen? He wants you to put your arm around somebody and say it's going to be okay. You remember when somebody did that to you? They put their arm around you and told you it was going to be okay? How about we do that to someone else, amen? How about we put our arm around someone else and say, listen, I don't know what you're going through. I don't understand it, and I can't even try... Quit trying to give advice to people, okay? People don't need your advice. They need your love and compassion, amen? You know, we, we're too often we'll say, well, you know, if you read and pray the Bible more, you'd be okay. Listen, people don't want to hear that. It may be true, but they don't want to hear that. You know what they need to hear? They need to hear the words, I love you. They need to hear the words, it's going to be okay. They need to hear the words, whatever you're going through, I will pray with you. I will be with you. I will walk with you. I will stay up all night with you, amen? That's what people need to hear. When your child gets sick, you don't send them back to bed and say, you're not going to take care of them. What do you do? You stay up with them, right? You stay up with them. You, you, you take care of them. You make sure that they're okay. In the same way, when one of our brothers and sisters are struggling with something, and if I were to ask you, and I ask you to raise your hand, and ask you, is anybody struggling? I bet 90% of you would raise your hand this morning, because t life is tough, amen? amen. Who, who doesn't think life is tough? Life is tough. Life is not easy. We go through struggles, don't we? Paul said, I am persecuted, but not abandoned. Cut down, but not destroyed. Amen. Amen. Listen, we need to walk in encouragement with one another. We need to lift one another up. Amen. Last week we learned about denying our flesh, but as believers, we're, we're not concerned about title or position. We're worried about our brother and sister with us because we want them to go to heaven with us. Amen. Amen. 
listen, there's plenty of room up in heaven for all of us, I can assure you, okay? There's plenty of room for heaven for everybody in this world. God designed it for that, amen? So I want us to realize that our goal is not just to get to heaven ourselves, but our goal is that everyone gets to heaven with us, amen? Everybody. Everybody. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, he says, Brethren, you can go ahead and bring that scripture up for me. Thank you. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, you know what spiritual means? It means you pray and you read your Bible and you come to, come to church and you love God. You do spiritual things. Amen? You're not walking in both worlds. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Just means you're trying, okay? He says, you who are a spiritual, I, I gotta say something here. I've gotten a lot of criticism from people at times about who I choose to pray and do those things because they look at me and they say, well, they're not perfect. And I wanna go ahead and tell you, you find me a perfect person to do those things and then let me know, okay? Because we need to use people where they're at. As long as they're trying, as long as they're trying, I'll use anybody, amen? Because if they're trying, if they're doing their best, those who are spiritual, that is what being spiritual means. It means you're not going to be perfect. Some people are deeper in sin than others, and it takes a while to get back. But if we make them sit on a pew for 15 years until they get perfect, well, that won't work. How else are they going to learn? How else are they going to figure things out? How else are they going to walk in the ministry that God has called them to, Amen? You're going to see me use a lot of people over the next few weeks to do things that you never thought I would do. But brothers and sisters, the time is short. We need laborers, amen? We need laborers, amen? We, we need laborers, amen? The church doesn't need one or two people in charge of everything. The church needs 100 people in charge of everything, amen? The church needs 100 people involved. Listen, if you think that you can't contribute, I'm going to go and tell you you're wrong. You got something, to, as a matter of fact, here's the thing, and I know I'm kind of going off topic here, but bear with me. I do that sometimes, don't I? I go off topic, but this is important. Do you realize that you have a gift and abilities that I don't have? And that God called you to this church because of those abilities? And that God wants to use your ability to do the things that he's purposed in your heart? Who am I to keep that from happening, amen? Now, I'm going to give guidance. I'm going to give love. I'm even going to give correction sometimes. But bless God, when a church or starts to be a church is when everybody gets involved, amen? Everybody gets involved. We shouldn't have a church where only the pastor is doing everything. That's not a church. That, I don't even know what that is. That's not a church. A church is where everybody's doing something, amen? Everybody. Everybody, amen. We got, we got different people opening service, closing service, doing tithe and offering. We got, you know why? Because you need to be involved, amen. And if you do it wrong, well, I'll talk to you later about it. <laughs> Praise God. Anyway, let's keep going. That's a mini sermon. That one was for free. I won't charge you for it. You who are spiritual, restore, not tear down. The Bible never says to tear down one another, does it? He says, restore such a one in a spirit of, what's that word? Oh. You mean we need to be gentle with one another? We need to be gentle with one another? Man, I, you know, when I was a kid, my, my mom told me that, that little poem, you know, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Words hurt, right? Words hurt. I don't remember the beatings I got with a stick, but I can remember the words that have been said to me. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? How many have had words spoken to them that hurt their feelings? Amen? We don't need to be a church that tears people down. We need to be a church that says, you know what? I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak gentleness to you. Now, I know you're thinking of me, Pastor, you're not speaking gentleness, you're yelling. <laughs> But I'm going to be gentle to you, Sonel, and I'm going to let you know that you're going to be okay. And I, I don't mean those fake words, those canned phrases that people say. You know what I'm talking about? You ever talk to somebody and they say, well, you know, all things work together. They don't even finish the verse, do they? <laughs> Listen, don't, 
I don't need you to quote verses to me, and I don't, don't get offended when I say that. What I need you is to show me genuine love when I need it, amen? And that's what people need. They need genuine, you're sure you can mix some scripture in there, but don't just say the scripture, say some love, like, hey, I just want you to know I love you, amen? I, and I'm here for you, and I'm encouraging you, and I'm, I'm tired of churches speaking death into people, amen? That's not our job. We don't speak death into people. My job is to speak life into you, amen? Now, sometimes the life means correction, though, you know? How many love to be corrected? <laughs> Nobody's raising their hand. You raise your hand, Jen? You sure? Because we can correct you. <laughs> yeah, man. Helen loves to correct Randy. I see that. <laughs> Nobody likes correction, right? Oh, we hate your correction, but sometimes we need that because without correction, how do we know somebody loves us, amen? But it can't be all correction. There's got to be some love and compassion there, amen? But keep going. Considering yourself lest you also be tempted. In other words, there's going to come a day when you're struggling. How do you want someone to talk to you? How do you want somebody to talk to you? Bear one another's burdens. Now, see, that's a tough one right there, isn't it? You know what bearing someone else's burdens is? That means take that heaviness that they feel and take it upon yourself. Physically, take it off of them and put it on you. Does anybody like carrying things that are heavy? Yesterday we were carrying some boxes. And uh, after a while those boxes got heavy. And I picked one up and and uh, I was definitely feeling it in my, in my back, and, and, and uh, you know, they asked me, is I okay? And I said, I'm fine. I'm just going to go home and complain about it to Jenny all day, and that way I'll be fine. But it hurts to pick up something heavy, does, especially as you get older, doesn't it? We don't like to do that. We like to be free. We like to feel this. But did Jesus not carry our burden? We're to carry the burdens of one another. But in church, brothers and sisters, let me finish this last part of it. And so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, this is something that Christ wants to do. But for too long, we at church, hear me when I say this, at church, we've been very superficial, haven't we? I'm going to say that again because I want you to hear my heart. At church, we've been superficial. You know why? Because... And it, and it comes from the top, okay? Because as pastors, I'm taught that I have to put on the face, right? I have to put on the face, like everything's fine, everything's fine. Look at my face, I'm good, right? And if I'm doing that, if I'm pretending like everything's fine, even though my world may be falling apart, which it's not right now, even though things may be causing us to hurt, when I'm not fine, you don't have the opportunity to pour back into me. You guys see where that's going with that? And there's a time that you will do that, amen? We pour into each other. But when I act like I'm fine, then you're going to do the same thing. You're going to act like you're fine. And we become superficial and we become real about our problems and our hurts. This is a hospital, amen? Somebody argued me with one time. They said, they said, quit calling Quit calling the church a hospital. It needs to be an army. Listen, even in an army, when there's a battle, some of those guys go to the hospital to get better, don't they? Amen? They go to the medic to get better. Amen? Well, right now, I'm calling the great medic. Amen? I'm calling the great medic to come in and bring healing to our church and for us to stop being superficial and let's be honest. Amen? If you're having a bad day, praise God, be honest, okay? It's okay to come in here upset. It's okay to come in here frustrated. It's okay to come in here aggravated. It's okay. Stop trying to put on a face and put on worship, amen, because that's how you come out of it. Praise God. Amen. What we do is we, like, we don't like to reveal our struggles because in doing so, it makes us look weak. Don't it? It makes us look like we're unspiritual, like we don't trust God. I never forget, in our early years of ministry, we were really struggling. Everything we did didn't work. 
And it just, oh man, it's just, I, the, if I, you know how some people have a golden touch where everything they touch turns to gold? Mine was a lead touch. I touched it and it turned to lead and sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Everything I did was wrong, everything. And we were struggling financially. I was having to go get a, a full-time job and the jobs in that area didn't pay that much. Had a college degree and I was making very little money. And I was just struggling. I was, I was really struggling. And I'll never forget, I, I opened up to a pastor, a pastor that I knew, and I said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what the response to me was? Sounds like you need to trust God. Condemnation. Condemnation. There was no love in what was said. Did I need to trust God? Yes, but there was no love in what was being said. And from that moment on, I never told anybody else how I felt because you know why? I didn't want to feel bad about who I was. I didn't want to feel bad about my relationship with God. And I even struggled talking with God about it because I felt like I couldn't be honest with him. Do you know the one person that you can be honest with about your emotions or your feelings? It's God. Sometimes I look at God and say, you know what, God, I'm mad at you. You know what God's going to say? Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> God's not going to say, well, I'm mad at you too. No, God doesn't do that, amen? We need to be honest with the Lord. We need to confide in him. He wants us. He gave us these emotions for a reason. Did you know that? He gave us, we're not supposed to suppress our emotions. He gave us these emotions to let it out and to say how we feel. But for too long in the church, we've suppressed it. We've suppressed it. We've suppressed it. You know what happens with your emotions when you suppress it? You become numb. Isn't that what the devil wants? He's lied to us, hasn't he? He said you can't come to church and say how you feel because people are going to talk about you. You know what? People are talking about you regardless. Isn't it just bad? Okay? I'm going to tell you right now. People are going to talk. They're going to talk. Okay? Let them talk. God will judge them. I can assure you of that. Don't even worry about them. People talk about me all the time. And sometimes there's stuff that they say about me I didn't even know about. Somebody will tell me what somebody said. I said, wow, that's interesting. Go on. <laughs> I didn't know I did that. <laughs> that's crazy. What did I do next? <laughs> Quit worrying about what people say because more than likely it's not true. And I got to be honest with you. If people are talking about you, they're just jealous, okay? Let's just be real. They're jealous of their, your relationship with God and the devil's trying to tear you down. Listen, don't worry about the devil anymore. Let's just be real. If we're down, we're down. Be honest about it, okay? Because there is a Holy Ghost... There is a Holy Ghost feeling power that comes into our heart and lifts us up, okay? It's okay to say, you know what, Pastor? I came in drunk today. Wait a minute, that's okay? I would rather you be honest about it, okay? I'm not telling you to go out and drink. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying it's okay to be honest. Let's not hide our emotions. And as a church, let's not beat each other up either, amen? Let's not beat each other up because there are people in the house today that are hurting and they need a touch from the Lord. Amen? As a matter of fact, to James chapter 5, verse 16, it's not going to be up there, so just listen. He says, confess your trespasses to one another. Look at your person beside you and say, one another. Look at the other person and say, that means you too. All right, look at the person behind you and say, not you. No, that's not right. Just making sure you're awake. <laughs> Everybody's like, he's gone crazy. <laughs> Just making sure you're awake. See some of you guys giving me the, <laughs> the Presbyterian nod. Amen. Praise God. He says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. See how there's two things there? You're not just confessing, you're praying for one another. Okay? Now, when I was growing up, we had the prayer line, prayer chain line. Got on the prayer chain. Somebody called up, hey, so-and-so's got a problem. By the time I got through the whole prayer chain, it was completely different. Okay? We don't, we don't need a prayer chain. We don't need a telephone chain. We need one-on-one -on -one praying for each other. Amen? Because that's what the Bible says. And then the Bible says something amazes. He says, when you do that, that you may be 
What? You mean you get healing out of this? Man, where's this scripture been my whole life? Where's the scripture been my whole life? I didn't know that. I mean, if I just tell someone what I'm going through. See, I have, I have a finance committee that I share with them, things that I'm going through. I have people in the church that I say, hey, I'm struggling with something. And they don't look at me and they say, but you're the pastor. How could you? I'm not, I'm not talking about anything terrible. I'm just talking about normal stresses and worry, Amen. But I knew, or excuse me, I know that if it was terrible, they wouldn't sit there and castigate me. They would sit there and put their arm around me and say, Pastor, I'm going to pray with you right now. Amen? I'm going to pray with you right now because that's the leadership that I have with me. Amen? And there's times that I've got up on a Sunday morning and I've shared with you what we're going through because I want you to see that I'm not perfect. Amen? But I want you to also know that it is up to us to share with one another. And when you do that, the Bible says, you will be healed. Amen. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or a woman avails much. I want to share with you something from the Bible that really struck me this week. In Luke chapter 10, we read the story where a lawyer lawyer back in those days was someone who would argue, argue the law, knew the law, the Old Testament. Not legal as far as in court is concerned, but someone who knew the Old Testament. They were very smart. And he decided that he was going to trap Jesus because he felt like that he was intelligent and Jesus was unlearned and he was going to trap him. So he asked this question to him. He says, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Can I tell you something right now that there's a world out there asking that same question? Just because someone dresses up in women's clothes and they're not a woman doesn't mean they're not asking that question. Can I tell you that we need to quit looking at people how they are and realize what God is doing in them? Just because they're wearing women's clothes doesn't mean that God doesn't love them, amen? Just because a woman walks out of an abortion clinic doesn't mean God doesn't love her, amen? Just because a politician walks out of the Senate doesn't mean that God doesn't love him, amen? We need to love people in the same way. And so this man asked, he goes, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns it back on him. See, Jesus was just so smart. He turns it back on him and he says, well, what does Scripture say? And the guy immediately responded because he wanted to show how smart he was. And he says, verse 27 of Luke chapter 10, he says, So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. See, that, in essence, is the Ten Commandments. That, in essence, is the Ten Commandments, because the first part of the Ten Commandments is dealing in our relationship with God, right? I believe it's the first three commandments, if I'm not mistaken. And then the rest deals with our relationship with one another. You know how people leave church? They don't leave because they don't, it's not because the pastor, although sometimes it is. A lot of times people leave church because of the other people in the church, because they don't get along with them. Brothers and sisters, this is where the church fails. We need to get along with one another, amen? I know that we don't have the same culture, right? But are we not all descended from Adam? Does that not make us brothers and sisters? Amen? Does not make us brothers and sisters? Amen? Listen, I don't, it, I shouldn't say I don't care because it means that I, I, I don't care for anything else. But what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter what you come from. What matters is who you are. That's what matters, amen? It matters who you are. And right now, you are a child of God, amen? But even if you weren't a child of God, we would love you no less, amen? And so Jesus said when he said this, because he summed up the Ten Commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, there, you got it. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, okay? He says, if you understand that, you got it, you will have eternal life. And the lawyer felt like he needed to 
defend himself or justify himself because Jesus just basically owned him at that moment. And so he said, well, who's my neighbor? You guys know this story, right? He goes, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus launches into a story. You know this story. He said there was a man that was on his way to Jericho. And as he was on his way to Jericho, a group of thieves descended upon him and robbed him and beat him until he was near death and he laid on the side of the road. Now, I want to tell you right now that that's what the devil does to our people. First of all, they, get, they, 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 they go off alone. They go off and do their own thing because they think they know better. And they're off on their own and they have no one with them. And when no one is with them, the devil pounces on them and destroys them and takes everything from them. How many of you know someone like that right now in your life? The enemy has literally taken everything from them and they're half dead. Pretty sad story right there. He's already beaten up. He's laying on the side of the road. He's been stripped. Nothing left. All his money is gone. He's got nothing to work with. And the Lord goes on with this story. A priest comes by. A priest come by. And I don't know why the priest is traveling alone. I can probably go on for another hour just about how ministers like to travel alone when we really should be together. Amen? But he's traveling alone and he sees this wounded man near death. If he doesn't stop and do something, he's going to die. The man is right there. And all he's going to do is just go up to him and help him. But you know what he does? The priest, the epitome of what it means to be a man of God, someone who understands God's word, supposedly someone who gets it, someone who has read God's word, the priest stops and he walks on the other side. He could have stopped and helped this man. And i got to be honest with you, this has troubled me for a long time. I'm like, why would the priest stop? Why would the priest not go and help him? And if you go back, I, I, I want to say it's either Leviticus or Deuteronomy. And if you go back, God gives a commandment. He says, as a priest, I don't want you to go near anything that is dead. If it's dead, don't go near it. Because if you do that, you're not going to be able to perform your priestly duties, right? You're not going to be able to do that. So I don't want you to go near anything that's dead. And I started questioning. I said, Lord, I don't get it. Because wasn't he doing what you wanted him to do? Wasn't he following the law? And the Lord really hit me with something. And I hope I can communicate this very well. First of all, the man was not dead yet. You know what we do as believers? Is we look at someone who's wounded and we give up on them. We look at someone who's hurting and we give up on them. I can't help them. They're on their own. We, we're afraid that somehow we're going to get infected or something with their hurt, and we don't want that ourselves because we want to walk in victory, don't we? We want to walk in the Holy Ghost. You know what? If you really want to walk in the Holy Ghost, then you've got to experience the pain and the suffering that Jesus went through. Amen? The Bible, Paul said, Oh, that I may know him, not just in the power of his resurrection, but also in his suffering. Amen? Oh, that I may know him. That means in order for me to experience experience Christ, I've got to go where he went through. So I was trying to understand, why? And first of all, he wasn't dead. And you know what else? This is what the Lord told me. When Moses wrote this about the priest, he did so for a reason. Because remember, where do, they, where do the Israelites come from? They came from where? Egypt, Right? Do you know what the priests did in Egypt? Hear me out. They mummified people. The priest of Egypt worked with the dead. It was a satanic uh, experience because they removed the organs because they thought that they could prolong the life of the person who was being mummified. These priests worked with dead people. God says, I don't want you like that. 
I don't want you to be around dead people. I don't want you to feel the need where you have to go in and prolong their life because first of all, you don't have the power to do that. And the priest at the time when God gave this rule would understand that. They would say, oh, I get it. God's saying that because of the priest of Egypt. I get why he doesn't want me to do that. But the priest at the time of Jesus, you know what they were doing? They looked at the scripture and like we do, they only saw what was written. They didn't see the compassion. They didn't see the love of God. All they saw was this legalistic way of doing things. That bless God, the word of God says this, and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not saying we reinterpret the word of God, but sometimes we miss what the word of God is trying to say when we don't love people, amen? God is what? God is love. God is love. And the moment that we are not willing to help people and love people, then we've missed what God has to say. There is no worship service too important that we can't stop what we're doing and help somebody. Am I losing you guys? Are you with me? The next guy that came by was a Levite. Levites were, they weren't priests, but they were part of the same tribe, and they understood the word of God. They were responsibilities in the temple. This would be like part of the congregation, and they too, because the priest being the leader, he showed them how to step to the side. The Levites also stepped to the side. Okay, here's where I'm getting really transparent. For too long in Alaska, we've allowed hurt to continue because our attitude has been, I didn't do it, so therefore I'm not responsible. I'm going to say that again. I've let my attitude be, I didn't do it because I'm not, and therefore I'm not responsible. Can I tell you, that's not scriptural? You know why? Because what did the Bible say in James? Bear, oh no, excuse me, in Galatians, bear one another's burdens. I may not have been the one that did the action, but my inability to feel compassion for someone that's hurting, someone that's bleeding, someone that's going through something, my inability to not care for them, I become just like the Levite, just like the priest, not willing to get my hands in the dirt, not willing to bend down and help somebody. We need brothers and sisters who are willing to say, I may not have done it, but I'm willing to step in and help them, amen? I'm willing to be there for somebody. And I tell you, if, if, if we had this type of relationship, if we had this type of belief, racism would end in the church, wouldn't it? Racism would end in the church. We don't, listen, I know this is going to be controversial, and I, I hope you love me when I'm done. We don't need to throw money to bring about reparations. We don't need that. You know what we need? We need the love of God to come in and forgiveness to come in and say we love you and we care about you. Money's not going to do anything, okay? What we need is love in the house of God. We need healing in the house of God. We need compassion in the house of God. We need someone to stand up and say, you know what? I acknowledge what you went through and I'm sorry. I acknowledge what you went through and I love you and I'm gonna pray with you and I'm gonna be there with you, amen? I'm so sorry you did that. Here's $50. No, that's not gonna work. $50 isn't gonna solve anything. We need the love of God to solve stuff, don't we? We need a compassion. But you know who stepped up? This is the greatest part, I love this story. You know who stepped up? The Samaritan. You know who the Samaritans were? Man, the Jews hated them. They were half-breeds. They were part Syrian and part Jew. They, and you're not supposed to marry outside of the Jewish race, but they did. And, and they just this all happened during the captivity of Babylon. I don't have time to go into all that right now. But the Jews hated them. They would walk three days out of their way to avoid them. This, being a Samaritan was like second-class citizen. But the Samaritan came by. The lowest of the low. The Samaritan came by. And he had business to do. He had things he was doing. The Samaritan came by and he saw the man, a Jew. You know what he did? 
You know what he did? He stopped. And he kneeled down in the mud. He got blood on him. He got blood on him and he picked him up and he put him on his donkey. In other words, he helped the man. He didn't walk by. He didn't go somewhere else. He bit down into the dirt. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to help somebody, we cannot just simply stand over them. We've got to get down in the dirt with them. We've got to talk to them. We've got to love them. We've got to be there for them. Amen? He bit down. He bit down. And he realized that Hey, I can't just help this person. He's going to need more help. I can't, I can't do this alone. I need other people to help. So he took him to an inn. And I love this part. He took him to an inn and he brought him inside. And he told the innkeeper, he said, listen, I want you to help this guy. I want you to help him. And I'm going to give you some money to cover it. Can I tell you, when you help somebody, you're going to have to invest some treasure. It's going to cost you. It may not be money. It may be time. I love what we're doing at the Glory Hall. We're going in. We're spending time with these guys. It's going to take a while for them to trust us because a lot of people come in and make a bunch of promises and they don't hold up. They put, he says, here's some money. And, and by the way, if it's not enough, the next time I come by, I'll give you more. See, what a testament. This Samaritan was honorable because they gave him a line of credit, basically, saying, we know you're good for it. Amen? Samaritan may have been his background, but his now was holy. His now was honorable. Amen? His now was ethical. He was more honorable than the priest or the Levite, people who were supposedly called of God, people who represented the tabernacle in the synagogue. And there's a lot of people out there that say they represent the tabernacle. They say they represent the church, but they only represent themselves. Just because a church helps someone, I'll tell you this, when a church, when a church advertises all over town what they're doing, then beware. If they're talking about how great they're doing and how they're helping other people, beware because they're getting their reward by their advertisement. I'm not talking about letting people know in your church what you're doing. I'm talking about making a big deal about how gracious you are. Listen, the right hand doesn't need to know what the left hand is doing according, wait, I did that wrong. Right hand, left hand. You know what I mean. I sometimes get my hands mixed up. We don't need to advertise what we're doing to helping people. We don't need to do that. I will tell you that you spent over $700 for the Hawaii effort. You're about ready to send some money to Pakistan because the churches have been burned down in Pakistan, and we're going to send some money to them to help them out, help them to rebuild. Amen? That's the kind of church that you are. Praise God. But what if we helped? What if we helped our brothers and sisters here in the church? What if we stopped putting on a facade and acting like we're something that we're not? What if we were real? What if we were real? What if we, because you know, a lot, of, a lot of people don't understand why young people don't come to church anymore. Because young people are tired of the fakeness. Did you know that? They can smell it. When you're being fake and you put out a smile, I'm doing good, but they've seen you walk around and they've seen your actions, they don't like that, amen? We need to be real. I'm not, I'm not talking about having faith. I mean, we need to have faith, but let's be real with one another, amen? If you're hurting, say so. But if you're redeemed, say that too, amen? But we need to help those who are in need because that's what a church should do, amen? Praise God. See, in Acts chapter 10, Peter had a vision. We saw something unique because in his vision, a sheet was let down. And on that sheet were all kinds of animals like pigs and creeping things and things that were against the law for Peter to eat as far as scripture. And the Lord said, arise, Peter, kill and eat. 
Peter's like, no, Lord, I can't do that. that. That violates the law. I can't do that. And the Lord says something amazing to Peter. He says, don't, don't call unholy what I have called holy, what I have made holy. Some of us need to have our theology challenged because we believed a certain thing our whole life and it's kept you from walking in the fulfillment of what God has for you. It's kept you from walking in the path of victory that God has. Amen? We need to have our theology challenged and realize that God is a compassionate God. God is a loving God. Was anyone else taught like me that God was ready to thump you over the littlest little thing? Anybody else felt that? That God was like a lightning bolt ready to thump you? If you did something wrong, he's like, oh, there you go. Boom, right there in the head. God's not like that, amen? Now listen, there's coming a day that that's going to happen, but not today. We're walking in a time of grace. We're talking in a time of mercy. We're walking in a time where God has looked at his children and said, come home. Come home. Come home. Come to me. Let me bring you healing. And the church needs to be the agent of that. Amen? When is the last time you called someone that you knew were hurting? You just called them and said, I just want you to know I love you. Look around the church today. We have people missing. How many of us are calling them and checking on them? Oh, pastor, that's your job. Says who? It's not my job to call everybody all the time. I'd spend all my time on the phone, right? It's our job to call people, amen? It's our job to check on people, amen? It's our job to love people, amen? Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I can give you a job. It's calling people, <laughs> amen? Do you know what it means to have someone call you? I've told this story before. I'm going to share it again. I was one time in my life, I was going through a horrible time. Horrible time, and I had been to church in like three or four weeks, and I was just really struggling, and, and things were not going right in my life, and I didn't know what was going to happen, and I was desperate. Somebody called me, they said, from church, and they said, hey, I just want to see how you were doing. I'm like, oh, man, this is great. Well, let me tell you how I'm doing. And I've never done this before, but I just started spout, spewing everything. I said, this is going wrong. This is going wrong. This is going wrong. I'm struggling here. For like 10 minutes, I went on, right? And then I was done. I was like, whew, thank you for calling. What, what do you think? And he goes, wow, that's a lot. But I was really, really just wanting to call to see if you ever thought about selling Amway. Anybody know what Amway is? It's a pyramid scheme where people try to get you to sell something and they earn money. He didn't call because he cared about me. He wanted me to sell something for him to my friends and relatives. That wasn't love and compassion. How many really wish somebody would just call them sometimes and tell them that they love you? Now, I will tell you that some of us don't give out our phone numbers, and so it's kind of hard to call you when I don't have your phone number, though, okay? Or some of us change phone numbers like we change clothes, okay? And if you change your phone number, you don't give it to me, then I don't know the number. But what if, brothers and sisters, what if we had a group of people in here who just called people and checked on them? I mean, I could name a couple of our elders who are not here and haven't been here in a couple of weeks because they're sick. What if we called them? What if our church showed compassion? What if we were the church known as the encourager, amen? What if, what if we stopped looking at the Bible to beat people over the head with and we simply opened it up and loved on them? What if we did that? What if, what if we simply shared Scripture as encouragement? You know my favorite scripture to share? I give this to people all the time. And, and, and you know, and people probably get tired of it. They probably says, Pastor, I'm, I'm tired of hearing that verse. Come up with a new one. And my response is, it's the word of God. Get over yourself. It's Philippians 1.6. You know what it says? For I am confident. As you stand with me, please. For I 
am confident. Do you know what that word confidence means? Do you know what that means? That means he's pretty reasonably assured. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it. You guys hear me on that one? Anybody out there struggling today? God's going to perfect his will in you. Anybody out there not knowing what you're going to do next? That's okay. God's going to perfect his will in you. Anybody not knowing what you're going to do next or how you're going to proceed because you're stressed about life? It's okay because God's going to perfect themselves in you. Amen? Amen. Quit worrying about the future. Quit worrying about your problem. I know that's easy to say and hard to do, but I want to tell you this morning, don't worry because God is in control. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He'll perfect it. You know what perfect means? That means it's no longer flawed, but it's good. It's good. If you only knew how much the Lord loves you, everybody across this place just to bow your heads. In my heart, the Lord is telling me that we have some people that's been on the road to Jericho. You're lying in the street, you're bloody, you're hurting. And you're wondering if somebody's going to stop by and just try to pick you up and let you know it's okay. listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.